please, to number 20. Number 20, Abba, Father, we approach Thee in our Savior's precious name. We, Thy children here assembling, now the promised blessing claim. Well, you may not need a hymnal. It'll be on the screen. So we'll turn to this number, 20, for those who are using the hymnal, if you're online, and let's stand to sing the Lord's praises.
Let's still our hearts in the Lord's presence this morning. I trust that opening hymn is the very mood of our minds as we come to our Father, Abba, Father. That's the endearing term for a little child crying out to a father. There's no better picture of our relationship with our God no better picture to encourage us to come and seek Him. Let's unite together. O God, our Father, we thank Thee that we therefore are sons and daughters in Thy family, that everyone that is born of the Spirit, washed in the blood, is able to call Thee Father. And we do so as thy church, as our Father. Thou art the Father of every brother and every sister in Christ. Therefore, unitedly, we call upon thee, O God, to hear us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we would desire today for glory to your name that we would honor Thee in word, thought, and deed, that the very desires of our hearts, that the very expectations of our souls would be according to Your great name and person. Deliver us from every frivolity, therefore. Deliver us from worldly thinking, and shut us in, O come, Make this the meeting place with the Lord our God. Thou hast promised to the children of Israel in the tabernacle, there I will meet with thee and commune with thee. We ask thee now, Lord, as we come, according to the means that you have ordained as we worship thee here today, Lord, come and meet with us, and grant that we will know in the very depths of our souls that we have met with the living God, and Thou hast come to speak unto us. We thank Thee for the freedom we have in Christ. He as our great high priest interceding, that every prayer we offer is through His name and His work. We thank Thee that You look upon Your Son, and therefore You look upon Your people, united to Your Son, and Thou art well pleased. Thank You for this union that we have with Thee. O Lord, stir our hearts today to worship Thee in spirit and truth. We pray that You'll strengthen faith. Lord, we confess that we need to be men and women who are full of faith in the Holy Ghost, and I pray that that will be the true experience of each brother and sister today. Father, we come and pray that you will minister to each heart according to each need. Thank you for those who are living in joy, living in great blessings, even materially and with health and strength, living to praise Thee with thanksgiving. And there are those who battle with ill health. Lord, comfort, strengthen, 
those who need your healing touch today. Remember the bereaved and sorrowing, where every day is a day with a dark cloud. O Lord, break through the cloud, we pray. Cause thy face to shine and make thy people to hear the voice of blessing and cheer. We pray, Lord, that you will bless the ministry of this church, both to the congregation here and in this community. Remember Dr. Saunders. We pray for the Spirit of God to fill him, to equip him, and to use him in the ministry of thy word in this place. Bless the elders and remember the deacons and those that have set them forth as candidates for election. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt guide this congregation. Thank you for men who are willing to serve. And while many churches are crying out for helpers, thank you, Lord, that thou hast raised up willing helpers. And we pray that you will touch these men, that they will be a band of men whose hearts the Lord has touched. And so we pray that thou wilt work graciously. Remember thy church around the world today, some under persecution and trials, some going through doors of opportunity. Thank you, Lord, that this gospel is still going forth. Remember your servants, those that are preaching the cross, those that are standing up for the Lord Jesus, those that are even in the little trials and sacrifices, going through with God in the call that you have given them. And now let thy blessing be upon us. Grant, Lord, that as we continue to sing, that you will minister unto us one by one. And may we find that our hearts are strangely warmed as we wait upon thee today. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. 244, God loved the world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. Salvation full at highest cost, he offers free to all. God loved the world. 244 for those who need to know the number.
seated. Our Bible reading today is in the book of Romans, chapter 1. Reading the Word of God from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 1. May the Lord speak to your heart through His written Word today. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always, in my prayers, making request, if by any means, now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. 
For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Amen. May God in His mercy use this word in our hearts today. I'm going to call upon Mr. Fraser to come and welcome you and to bring the necessary announcements for today. Mr. Fraser. We welcome you to our service this morning, and we pray for the Lord's blessing to be on you as you meet with us as we worship God. And if you've joined us online, we welcome you as well. For all our online viewers, we pray for the Lord's blessing to be with you in, uh, in, as you join with us online uh, this morning. Uh, 
the announcements for the incoming week. Uh, we have our pre-service prayer time this evening at 10 to 6, 5.50, and then the evening service at 6.30 uh, with our brother, Reverend Ian Gallagher, and we thank the Lord for him and pray for the Lord's blessing to be with us this evening. On Wednesday, there is the annual general meeting and the election uh, for the deacons, and um, I ask that if you have not received, uh, if you're going to be absent and you've not received a ballot, to see me after the morning service. I'll be preaching in Port Hope tonight, so um, I need to make sure that uh, everything is settled as far as the ballots uh, for absentee uh, ballots. Uh, Thursday evening, the session uh, will be at 6 p.m., and the board, session and board, the new board, will be meeting at 7.30 uh, p.m. on Thursday evening. On May the 22nd at 4 p.m., we have our national uh, time of prayer, and it will be on Zoom, and it will be from 4 to 5.30, and we encourage you all to join with us. Uh, Mr. Stephen Kelly is doing better, a little better. He still needs to have a feeding tube, um, and uh, he's been discharged from hospital uh, yesterday, which is a blessing, and uh, please continue to pray for our brother Stephen Kelly that the Lord will heal him in his mercy. Uh, for those of you who are interested in going to the youth camp, July 16th to 23rd, uh, please see Jonathan uh, for um, anybody who's interested in going to the youth camp, and uh, that should be an exciting time as it always is. So all these, the Lord willing, and uh, now we will um, hand it over to our brother, Reverend Gallagher. Thank you, Ian. Well, we always appreciate someone bringing those announcements with whom they're familiar. For me, I'm a happy guest, but I don't know all those details. So thank you, brother, and welcome all. Great to see so many here today, and this is an encouragement. And I think everybody has the summer look today somehow. It's a little different from on a snowy day. Uh, the last time I was here, it wasn't just so warm. And I was told sometime coming in that the AC may not be up to normal today, so uh, it'll be warm, but that's good. We can rejoice in that. And I've got a fan right here beside me, so I have no problem whatsoever. So Beulah and I rejoice to be here today, and I trust the Lord will help in the ministry of His Word. And uh, we're thankful that we can be of some help after the week of prayer and presbytery meetings. It's good that your minister doesn't have to rush back and uh, get into new messages and preach again. I think of him as the busiest man in our denomination these days, and we need to pray for him. Trust the Lord will keep him in health and strength and continue to bless. And I trust that the vote on Wednesday goes well. We're thankful that uh, there are men willing to serve and willing to give of their time and talents to the work of God 
here in this church. And may that be a great boost uh, to the session uh, of this congregation. Another hymn before we come to the message today, and it's 403. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend His cause. Maintain the honor of His word, the glory of His cross. 403, we're going to stand to sing. Let's stand to sing. standing. If you're happy, pray hard. Let's unite in prayer. Father, we thank Thee for what the gospel has done for our souls, and we pray for that blessedness that is the portion of the Spirit-filled Christian, that we may enter into that today as we look into Your Word, that You'll do a work in us that will make us 
to be changed more and more into the image, the likeness of our Lord and Savior. Grant us the Holy Spirit's ministry, therefore, with power to our souls, to believers, and to any who are out of Christ. May this word today work thy will in us. Give help, Lord, I depend on thee, and I ask thy help in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 1 is our portion that we're looking at today, and we learn in this chapter that the Apostle Paul was a man on a mission about a man on a mission, because Paul did not go forth to preach himself, but to preach the gospel of Christ. He said that he was not ashamed to preach the gospel, and that meant that he was shameless. He was willing to bear reproach, face any opposition. He was not going to be apologetic about preaching the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, that same zeal that was in the heart of the apostle, you will find, was in the hearts of Christians at Rome. If you look at verse 8, you will notice that Paul thanks God for these Christians at Rome, and he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for, your, for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. These believers at Rome did not hide their light. They did not run away from the message that they were to deliver. Now, they were well situated to reach the world because Rome was the political heart of the known world. It was a place of merchandise, slaves coming and going, armies coming and going. And these believers who were open, bold, and like Paul, unashamed of the gospel, they were going forth with that message throughout the whole world. I would have to qualify that as the known world at that time. There is something that makes the gospel catch fire. This is good news that just must be told. And I know that it has done great things for many that are here today. And you could say that you're not ashamed of what the Lord has done for you, and you, like the Christians at Rome, have a zeal to make this gospel known to the whole world. That's why we are a praying people. That's why we are a missionary-minded people. We don't want to hide the light and the blessings of the gospel that God has granted into us. And yet, we're all in danger of losing the cutting edge of that zeal. There are times when we rest on our laurels, when it seems we ask, does it really matter? Will it make any difference? Well, it does matter, because the Lord Jesus said, he that is not willing to take up his cross 
and follow me is not worthy of me. And that if we confess him before men, he will confess us before our Father who is in heaven. And so let's take today this statement of the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, he gives some logical reasons to back this up. And you'll notice in these verses, if you start now at verse 16, and he begins with, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let's call that his main argument. For, for this reason, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And then, like all preachers, he comes up with three reasons. Notice the fours that follow in these verses. Verse 16, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And then verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And then verse 18, another four, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Sounds like an outline for a sermon, doesn't it? Three points, three reasons, and they are all reasons why the apostle was not ashamed, and that these other Christians at Rome likewise were not ashamed to preach the gospel. Now, I hope today that this will help you likewise to be shameless when it comes to the gospel that there will be within your life. Of the Savior who has saved your souls. So I want us to take these three statements then. The first one then in the verse 16, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, notice that it is the only power. It is the power. The gospel is God's sole instrument of saving sinners and making them right with God. This is not just any old plan, and it's not just one of many plans whereby a person can get from their sinful state to a right relationship with God. It is but one gospel, one way of salvation. Now, it is referred to as the power of God. And you just think about it. The power that is required to take a black, filthy, hell-deserving sinner from the broad road to hell to the narrow path, looking unto Jesus, and one day being presented to the Father spotless, sinless, and entering into eternity with God to dwell in perfect communion with a holy God. That is power. Now, there's a lot of things that are involved in the gospel. The gospel is not simple. Now, I know that sometimes we talk about the simplicity of the gospel. And those who are saved and know their Bibles 
and uh, study the gospel can say, well, it's, it's a breeze. It's as simple as ABC. All have sinned. Behold B. Behold the Lamb of God. Seek the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. It's as simple as that. But behind all of that, what a power is at work. There was the power of the incarnation. Who could have thought it? That the nature of God is united to the nature of man in Mary's womb by a supernatural act of God the Holy Spirit to prepare and provide a sinless person who would live a sinless life through his obedience, earn a righteousness that would be given over that you may wear all the perfections of the Son of God. Then there's the power of Christ's work on the cross. We know that he defeated the devil. We know that the devil lost the battle and all the imps of hell were put to flight. And in those hours of darkness, there was a transaction with the Father when God poured out the punishment that was due to sinners, and God punished, He spared not His own Son. And the Lord Jesus absorbed, suffered that wrath, and He made payment to the infinite justice of the Father, settled all the debts of all the sinners whom He would save, all whom the Father gave to Him in the covenant of redemption, all who would ever look to be saved through the cross, Jesus on that cross paid it all. The power of the gospel is greatly displayed in all of that. And then in the new birth experience, think of the Apostle Paul, a madman against the gospel, now becomes a minister of it. He stopped on the road to Damascus. He's humbled, the proudest man you could imagine, humbled by grace, by a sight and a sound of the name of Jesus. And he cries out, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? This is power, saving power, heart-changing power, life-changing power. He became a new man. And when you were converted, when you were born again of the Spirit, all things had to go and all things had to become new, and therein was a display of the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And when the Lord comes into your heart, you cannot be silent. You cannot be like those lepers, nine of whom went away and said nothing. But there was one leper who told the story of his cleansing. I wonder which is an illustration of you today. Are you silent 
That would even beg the question of a new life, a new heart. The truly saved will not be silent. Now, we're not all preachers, and we're not all door-to-door evangelists, but there's going to be an unashamed attitude. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord, and I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now, the next four is verse 17. For another reason that the apostle is not ashamed of the gospel, for therein, this one gospel, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now, no one in their wildest imagination could have dreamed how unholy sinners can be made right with a perfect standing before a holy God. This is something that is revealed. The gospel is a revealed religion. It is not the combined wisdom of men or the ideas of men. It is God's plan. And no man would even even have dreamed of how God would provide a perfect righteousness to cover over our nakedness and our wretchedness. Such is the problem of sin such as the stain that defiles a man from head to toe, that the question is posed in the Bible, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? The picture in the Bible is given of filthy rags. And if I gave my wife such filthy rags to wash, maybe I'm working on the car cleaning up in the garage, and I got these oily, stinking, messy rags. And I suggest to her, can we wash these? I know what she would say, throw them out. They can't really be cleaned. And when you understand what sin has done in your heart and the offense that has caused God, you might say, I'm hopeless. I'm lost. How can a man be just with God? There is no way on human terms. And either you belittle the curse of sin, or you fake a remedy of making men right with God. And that's what false religions do. They do both those things. They belittle sin. They make it out that it's no big deal. They make it out that we're not of those who preach about sin, man's corruption, man's depravity, man's lost condition. We believe that there's some little 
ability within the human heart to improve. False religion will always come with a, a self-help program to improve the human condition. And the other thing, of course, that the false religionists do is they give a false peace of being right with God. The gospel never does that. The gospel faces sin head on. It's ugly. It has offended a holy God. And humanly speaking, there is no man-made remedy. And God, to address the problem, has found a way to provide a righteousness, casting away our rags of righteousness, self-helps, cast all that away, because God has provided His righteousness, and He presents it unto us by faith alone. It's like wearing a pure white robe. I think the Bible gives us good basis to talk about walking in white, dressed in a robe of perfect, brilliant whiteness. That's God's plan. And here in this verse it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the thing of which Paul was not ashamed, and of which every Christian is unashamed. Now, what can we say about God's righteousness? Is it His essential nature? Well, it must be God's own. It's not ours. It's not man-made. It's not ours. It is God's righteousness, because He provides it, and He bestows it. It must be earned by an obedient, sinless person. And there is the work of our Lord Jesus. From the cradle to the cross, every day our Lord Jesus lived, He was earning, working as the worker, the servant of the Father, to provide a righteousness that would clothe sinners from the womb to the tomb, Jesus sought to fulfill all righteousness. He took no shortcuts. He left nothing undone. And when He cried out on the cross, it is finished. His life's work of earning by His obedience was now completed. His work on the cross, suffering for sin, was now completed. And then verse 17, there's one more thing about this righteousness. It must be received by faith alone. There's only one way of getting this righteousness. 
There's only one way by which God bestows it upon a sinner. And it has to be made personal. It has to be made real to you before you are saved. Now, think about this. I want you to think hard about this. How does that perfect robe which our Lord Jesus weaved by His obedient life, how does it get from Him, from His name, His reputation, His standing with the Father, all the way down to this world to be put upon you, an individual sinner? How is that transfer made? The Bible speaks of it being imputed. It's the language of a ledger. On one side, there are the liabilities and the assets. Right now, by nature, you have nothing but liabilities. Sins immeasurable, incalculable. Sins that will damn you. Sins that are going to stink in the nostrils of a holy God for all eternity. Therefore, it will be eternal wrath that you will endure. How do you receive that perfect robe, that garment of righteousness? How do you get onto your account the asset of the infinite, valuable righteousness of the Lord Jesus? Let's read the text now. Revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just. Who's that? The just. Who's that person? Is that you? Is there someone here? Put your hand up. You're just. Well, not by nature, of course. Not by your own living not by your own working. You're not just with God. You're a corrupt soul. But you are made just. How? The just is made so by faith. And we're going to add in the term faith alone. And the Bible gives us full permission to do that because it is very clear throughout the Bible that we are justified, declared just or righteous, on the basis of an empty hand. Here's faith at work now. It's an empty hand reaching out to receive the gift, not by works, lest any man should boast. It is the act of a sinner a believer reaching out an empty hand to receive what the Lord Jesus has done by His perfect life and His atoning death. And you receive that by faith alone. That's the only instrument God has ordained. It's not faith plus anything. It's not faith plus church faith plus works, faith plus repentance, faith 
alone is the way by which you receive that. Now, I hear someone saying, but let's read this text carefully. It says that it's revealed from faith to faith. This is God's Word. Does that mean that it's received a little bit more each day, incrementally, piecemeal? Today I receive a bit, tomorrow another bit, all the days I live I have to receive a little bit more of this justification. From faith to faith. Now unto the middle of this mix there is a big problem because there is a liberal movement and a confusion among some evangelical circles that try to talk about a present justification and a final or future justification. And they might take words like this and say, well, here it is, faith to faith. And they make justification to be this incremental idea. A little bit today and a little more tomorrow and all your life until you die. And then there will be a final justification. Maybe at the judgment day it will be declared then. But it's received incrementally. I want to say one word to that. No. Absolutely no. You are not justified a little bit at a time. And here are some reasons why the idea of a future justification or a piecemeal justification is all wrong. It is not true that justification is through gradual increase of faith because justification is a once act of God. It's a once act of God. It is done once and it is done fully. And you can search the catechism, you can search justification is question 33. You can search the confession. And this is the doctrine of the Reformers, of the Puritans, of the Protestant preachers of history. That's the interpretation. I also say that it is not gradual because in verse 17 you also have a quote from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, chapter 2-4, the just shall live by faith. Now, you'll notice the person is now just. Just. Already. And that person who has been declared justified will go on to live by faith. You'll keep on looking to a perfect Savior. Keep on rejoicing in a righteousness that is transferred to your account, that covers over your sin. 
And so get your teeth into the word the just or the justified person shall live by faith. You are already justified. And we praise God for that. And so Christians, believers, are not on a stairway climbing higher and higher by their own adding to their faith continually to be justified to a higher level later on. You are justified now. And I want to take that word now and see how Paul the Apostle uses it. Let's go to Romans 3, verse 20. Romans 3, 20. The way to interpret Romans 1, 17 is to see what the apostle did throughout the whole letter to the Romans. Did he write to the Romans as if they needed to keep on adding and adding and adding to their faith to be justified? Or did he write to them on the basis that they were already justified? That's what we want to look at here now. Romans 3 and verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So it's not of works, not your own doing. It's not your own abilities or adding anything because it only adds to your sin. And then verse 21. But now, aha, now, now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Now. And that is a time word, by the way. It's not just a little writing device to go on to another thought. You know, somehow when you're writing, you're going to move. Now. Uh, some people have a habit of putting the word now in a whole lot of places in their sentences. But this is a time word. It is the Greek word n U N, nun or noon as it is pronounced. Now that helps us because think of noon. Noon, well, we've just passed it. We're two minutes past noon now. Two minutes ago, the clock struck 12. It was noon. There was a point in time when it was noon. And that's how it is for our justification. We are now justified at this time. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. And so a saved sinner by faith in Christ is one hundred percent saved on the day and hour of his conversion. You cannot be more saved. You cannot be better saved. And you cannot have a more perfect standing with God. All right, you say, okay, you've had one instance now where you see this word now. 
Are there any more? Well, let's look at chapter 4, verse 3. Now, aha, there it is again, and it's the same Greek term, nun. Now, at a point of time, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And then there are more. Let's go down. That was, that's referring to Abram, by the way, and he is the great example by which we are saved. And then you have David is brought up in verse 6, describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. It's done. Your sin is covered over, and you now possess the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus. And then look at verse 24. This is for us also. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. It's for us also. Now, there it is. There's me using the transition word now. In, In the Greek language, the transition word is a different word. But these references I'm showing you is this Greek word noon. See it in chapter 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you'll notice justified. That's in the past tense, justified. And then in chapter 5 and in verse 9, much more than being now justified by His blood, noon, a point in time, Therefore, being at this time justified. Can you say that? Is that true in your life? Is that the gospel that you're unashamed of? That's the gospel of Paul. It's the gospel of the Bible. It's the gospel of grace. Christians are now justified, and justified totally. And then Romans 8, verse 1. I think you'll know that verse, but there's another now. There is therefore now no condemnation. At this time, there's no condemnation. Today, as you sit in church, as you go home for lunch, as you enjoy your day, You are presently, now, justified through faith in the righteousness of Christ and stand in Him complete. That's the gospel of which Paul said, I am not ashamed. I'm ready to preach this. And if these things get a hold of your heart, you'll become a preacher too, to some degree. 
you'll want to tell the world as the Christians at Rome did. Now, I'm not going to preach the third point, but we're going to go back to Romans 1, and we're going to see another 4, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed. Another reason not to be ashamed of this gospel. Having this great good news that there is a righteousness that God provides, God gives as a gift for naked faith with an outstretched empty hand, a gospel that is full and free to all who believe, we've got to tell a perishing world that is under God's wrath. And the rest of this book, chapter 1, is all about the horrible condition of men under the wrath of God. And you'll notice that it has to be revealed, for the wrath of God is revealed. There are people across the street from here that have no idea that they're living under God's wrath. No idea. The idea of hell is so foreign to them, it's a joke. The vast majority of pulpits today in Canada will proclaim that God is love. And they will give the fake pretense that all is well. When we know this nation is under God's wrath, and the wicked shall be turned into hell, and there's a lot of sins that are listed in Romans 1 that condemns all men as guilty, lost, hopeless. They need the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God, for the wrath of God. These are the reasons why we're ready to preach the gospel, ready to pray about the gospel, ready to support the church that preaches the gospel, ready to make sacrifice to serve such a cause as preaching the gospel. I wonder today, are you ready to trust the Lord who provides the gospel? and will save your soul by faith alone. Will you trust Him today with your life, your soul? There's only one gospel. There's only one Savior. There's only one righteousness that will make you ready for heaven. Come today and believe and say, I see it. I see it, and I need it. And may the Lord give you this greatest of gifts, the imputed, perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus. We have a closing hymn. It's number 449. <clears throat> 449. Complete in thee no work of mine may take, dear Lord, the place of thine. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me, and I am now complete in thee. Shall we stand for 
verses 1 and 2, please. 1 and 2. Father, we give Thee our praises today for this amazing gospel, this gospel of a wise, gracious, and good God. Thank You for giving us Your Son and giving us Your all in and through Him. Write these things on our hearts today and make them to be our delight and enable us to tell the story of Jesus and His all-sufficient salvation. Remember our perishing world today. It grieves us, O God, in the spiritual darkness we see. Lord, send the light and use us in this work of preaching the gospel. Use this church Use our whole denomination and every gospel-preaching ministry. Lord, send the light. And now dismiss us with your blessing, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you redeemed now and evermore. Amen.